0: I build teams that are not afraid to tell me I'm wrong. And that to me is a super important thing as a leader because I'm not gonna be right all the time and their ideas are often much better than mine.
1: You're listening to Sunnyside Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Harry Levitt. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Jen Rivali about building an integrated marketing strategy from scratch. So, before we jump into the topics, let me introduce Jen. So, Jen Rivali is the vice president of marketing for Pandologic, an experienced executive. Before Pandologic, she most recently ran planning and product marketing for iSims. Before that, Rivali held several key marketing leadership positions at ADP. While at ADP, Jen also led client services and operations for ADP's small business health insurance brokerage firm, where she grew revenues from 4 million to 20 million in just three years. That is incredible growth. Jen has also been recognized by the Stevie Awards as a top female executive of the year and a 2022 top woman in communications from PR Daily. And congrats again on those awards, by the way.
0: Thanks, Harrison.
1: Of course, so Jen, I'm really excited to talk to you and welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. I am absolutely thrilled to be here. I was telling my team the other day that while I talk about our technology and HR tech quite often, it's very rare I get to talk about my craft. So it was an incredible honor to be asked to do this. And uh, it's always, I love working with you, Harry. So uh, thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, we appreciate it. The honor is out all ours. And we love working with you as well. And really excited to hear your perspective today. So, with that, should we jump into the topics?
0: Yeah, let's get started.
1: Let's do it. Cool. So, I want to kick it off with a fun topic. Would love to hear your perspective and talk about the need for an integrated marketing strategy for organizations that are looking to grow.
0: Sure. So, it's you know, some of my reputation has been, I would say, over the last few years couple of things. The first is scrappy, but strategic because I love to get my hands dirty. But the second is taking what I would call random acts of marketing into an integrated marketing strategy. I use a couple of frameworks to do that. But really, when we think about why is that so important? It's, you know, as stewards of the business, Marketers are really tasked at driving revenue, but also driving efficiency in how we gain that revenue. And when you pull together an integrated plan, which you know looks at kind of reputation and demand through enablement of sales, you know, pulling a holistic strategy that has repeatable channels and repeatable content themes that are going to the right people will ultimately drive the business faster and will also allow you to be more efficient. You know, the ability to kind of send those integrated messages will tell your story in a way that, you know, just kind of randomly sending stuff out on the web is not going to. So what we've been able to do is really align around four key content themes that ladder up to our brand message and bring those through in the types of content and the types of channels that we know the audiences are leveraging at that point in time. We also look at these from both a marketing-generated perspective and some of the more broad-reaching strategies in digital and search and things like that, PR, but then also in looking at influenced revenue through kind of our account-based strategy. So having those two things work together as opposed to working against each other really helps us develop not only kind of that surround sound messaging approach to the prospects that we're looking to bring into our world, but also be able to really deliver that at the most efficient way. Because while our generated leads move faster from a velocity perspective, because those folks have raised their hand, our account-based Work is really delivers a 2x of the average value of those customers. So putting those, that double funnel approach is really what helps us deliver that and doing that so that those two pieces really harmonize is much more effective than looking them at completely separate entities.
1: hmm yeah, that's really interesting. Really appreciate your perspective on that. And first of all, I love the term random acts of marketing. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> that on a mug or a t shirt or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> what I we're
0: having a lot of like words of wisdom and, and a lot of times I'm saying, Oh, you know, we don't do random acts of marketing here. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I like it. I like it. What you're saying really makes sense, though. I mean, like you said, having that kind of double funnel approach so you're getting the best of both worlds while turning that into a scalable and repeatable process is going to help you be efficient at scale. And I think a lot of what you talked about also came back to meeting your customers and prospects where they are and reaching the entire buying committee. So not just focusing on one person, but as you put it, surround sounding the entire account through multiple different channels and tactics.
0: Absolutely. You know, we find we primarily service enterprise customers and above. You know, they are hiring at least 600 people a year is kind of some of the entry level requirements. And most of the time, that's actually thousands in some of the cases of who we support and mm-hmm. it's not one person who's making that decision. You know, we really find that it's, you know, generally around 6.8, but like anywhere from five to 12 people generally need to be on board to bring that through.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's really a trend that we're seeing across the board. And what more and more people are realizing is... In B2B marketing in general, we need to get in front of that entire buying committee. Like you said, it's not just one person making a decision in a silo anymore, especially in these enterprise cycles. We need to get buy-in from all the stakeholders, all the buying committee, and that can be a dozen people. So I think that goes back to the importance of what you were saying earlier of having that double funnel integrated approach. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a great segue into our next topic. And I know this is a hot topic that we hear a lot about at Demandbase. I see posts about it on LinkedIn all the time. Let's talk MQLs and (laughs) the shift away potentially from MQLs or at least thinking beyond just MQLs. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that from your perspective?
0: Absolutely. So to me, you know, MQLs are a leading indicator that we are doing our job to deliver the revenue that the business needs. So we build our plan kind of revenue first and then backwards into how are we going to be able to deliver the volume we need? The other thing is like MQLs are great from a generated perspective. But like when we're really surrounding accounts, like you want to be looking holistically at that account and there may be things that they aren't telling you, that contribute to like their buying behavior. So looking at the visibility and being able to unite both the sales and marketing touches has been able to allow us to really see where's the revenue coming through and how has that happened? One key kind of fundamental factor, my sales leader and I started relatively at the same time when I joined Pandalogic, and we made a lot of agreements related to what our integrated strategy was going to look like. And I think having that relationship allowed us to say like, we're not fighting over leads. Like we have a job together to deliver revenue for this business. So whether the conversion point happens from a marketing touch or happens from a sales outreach really doesn't matter. The fact is that we are working together in order to bring that revenue to the business. We have a lot of really great tools which help us see kind of how that has come to pass, right? So with Demand-based One, we can see an entire deal story and marry those things together. And it really does tell us how integrated the experience is. It is not just marketing or sales. It is those two things working together. And so we're able to now assign and look at the revenue that both from an attribution perspective we've delivered, but also in terms of the way that that revenue has come together you know through all of the investment that we've provided. Um, we also really look at um, return on marketing investment as a key metric. So you know different from kind of looking at lifetime value, It gives us that pure kind of marketing investment. And we look at that both kind of fully loaded with headcount and program spends, but also on program alone. To really look at the efficiency tied to the net revenue that we are contributing to the business. And that has been game changer for our ability to invest in things and be able to deliver more based on that investment. So, You know, we deliver on average around 370% return on marketing investment. And so, you know, my boss is very happy to reinvest in marketing programs in order to see kind of that (laughs) revenue come forward. And the only way that we're able to do that is to A, prioritizing that and having a fantastic relationship with sales where like Mm -hmm. it's about us working together and forward as opposed to fighting over leads.
1: Mm Hmm. Yeah. I love your view on it. I love your perspective on it. It makes so much sense, right? I mean, I talk about this a lot uh, in my job and with a lot of customers as well. And what we talk about is, you know, when was the last time your execs or your board asked you how many leads you brought in the last quarter? They don't care about that, right? They care about the bottom line metrics, pipeline, revenue, ROI, all the metrics that you were just speaking to. So it's amazing to have that lockstep agreement and alignment across the board, that that's what our goals are. That's what we should be focused on. And all our programs that we're running should lead back to creating, you know, pipeline revenue ROI, those metrics.
0: Yeah, it also allows us to velocity too, right? And, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of marketing leaders don't think about velocity as something they're responsible for. To me, it was one of the first indicators that we were doing a good job. When we were able to bring Mm -hmm. that velocity forward in the deal cycle
1: yeah no that's a great point as well and i think that's you're right it's maybe not necessarily something that a lot of teams think about or think about as being marketing's responsibility but it sure can make a huge difference when marketing is focused on accelerating deals And it's funny, it reminds me of a quote. I forget who said the original quote, but I know our old VP of sales or sales enablement on his uh, email signature, he had this quote that says, it's amazing what we can accomplish when nobody cares who gets credit. And I think that kind of comes back to... The conversation or what you mentioned earlier around talking with sales about is like, we don't care if sales creates this lead, marketing creates this lead, whoever creates this lead. It's all about just generating as much pipeline and revenue as possible and focusing on that bottom line. And you can really accomplish amazing things when everybody is in lockstep focusing on that together.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I honestly, like every job that I've looked at, like now that's like a key question that I ask. Because, like, I'm not interested in fighting over any of this stuff. Like, we want to drive the business.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Great. Well, again, really appreciate your perspective on that. Uh, really interesting to hear. And everything you're saying certainly aligns with what we preach here at DemandBase as well. So, shifting topics a little bit, would love to just hear from your leadership perspective and your experience as an executive. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of building teams that have different perspectives?
0: Absolutely. This is something that I am very passionate about. And it's we're actually going through an exercise now where we're doing something called a predictive index with my team. And we have realized that only two people have an overlap out of all of the team that we have today. So we have about a team of about 10 marketers. And what that means to me is that we're making the right choices in hiring folks who are going to challenge each other, both in the way that they fundamentally do their work, but then also in the ideas and the creativity that they bring to the table. I build teams that are not afraid to tell me I'm wrong. And that to me is a super important thing as a leader because I'm not going to be right all the time. And their ideas are often much better than mine. And, you know, they want to, I want people to have the freedom to do that, but also to really play to their strengths. So some folks on my team are really strategic. Some folks on my team are really fantastic at the details and the execution. And when you put those two superpowers together, they accomplish so much more. And giving them that ability to just run is something that I really truly believe is what has allowed us to have a small team and still accomplish great things. You know, we've grown this business And certainly it's not all on marketing, but like, there's a lot that I think we've brought to the table over the last couple of years, but you know, really grown this business from like 30 million to 200 million in a very short period of time. And you know, we could not have done that unless everybody was really able to bring their whole self to the table and divide and conquer on the things that were going to make, make everything great. You know? So like my job is to give kind of high level direction and support, but you know, my team is what has made this an amazing
1: journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, first of all, I can attest to the fact that I know you have a lean and mean team, but you've absolutely accomplished amazing things over the past few years. And I love that environment that you're fostering that's basically telling people, let's find your strengths, let's find what you're great at, and let's help you excel. And let's make sure we have a team, a diverse team that excels in different areas. And then like you said, when you put all that together, that's when you get that superpowered team.
0: Absolutely.
1: I am curious to hear a little bit more about this predictive index that you said (laughs) you're doing right now. I haven't heard of that before. It sounds really interesting though. So would love to hear what that is, what you're measuring and how it works. Yeah.
0: So it's like a five minute, it literally takes you five minutes and it measures your kind of self concept in terms of how you see yourself and then also in how you believe you want others to see you. And it's very interesting to see that often those things are in conflict and you are at your best when you get to be yourself. And so giving the ability for us to A, go through, understand that personally, but then also understand that as a team, like this is who I am, but this is how I show up. And I would probably rather show up more like I am, gives people the freedom to be able to do that. And we're, we haven't done the group session yet, but everybody's basically gone through their personal readouts. And then they've also seen their manager and how they interact with their manager and why. And it's amazing the insights that kind of come out of that.
1: Yeah, I bet. I'm sure there's some really interesting insights I'm gonna to have to follow up with you and see how we can start doing that over here at Demand Base because send that it sounds yet. please do. <laughs> that sounds incredibly interesting and something that I would love to do myself and have our team start doing. So appreciate you giving me some insight around that. I'm sure our listeners will be taking that to their bosses as well. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, moving on to our next topic then, I'm sure this is something you have to think about quite a bit because you have such a lean and mean team. Can you talk about how you decide when to insource something versus outsource?
0: Yes, we do have a lean and mean team. We do that on purpose. And part of that like is we're never going to be able to move fast enough as individuals to capture what's happening and what's changing from marketing. So we have assembled a fantastic group of both, you know, agencies, freelancers, market experts, and technologies in order to help us really be able to deliver that forward. I grew up on the product marketing side of the house primarily, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the ability for me to think about how am I going to drive and deliver the demand that I need to meant that I, that we needed to look. Outside, right? And, you know, A, there's too much of it for one person to manage. And I have, you know, I have a leader over Demand Gen who actually just got to hire a Demand Gen specialist. But the ability for us to learn and to try new things, because we are constantly saying to our agencies and to you at Demand Base, like, if you're trying something new, we will give it a shot and to test and learn. We would not be able to do that if we were just trying to kind of you know place ads on our own move things around look at seo like our ability to be able to get more done through others is both better in terms of the expertise that we're able to tap into but then also through kind of the scalability of that framework so we have a seasonality within our business quite a bit so you know when Mm -hmm. we look at what we need to deliver to the business that changes. So we've got to kind of be able to dial up folks when we need to and dial them down when we don't. And you know, we've been able to kind of have that elastic model to be able to, to make those decisions. The other thing is, you know, we have some really fantastic customers and as we're maturing as a business, we are thinking about customer marketing in a different way. So, mm-hmm. you know, we don't necessarily have the staff today to support kind of knowledge base and infrastructure and things that we need to now really do as a business. So what we're able to hire great talent who can do that, who can learn from our team. And then once we're good there and, you know, it's easier to maintain than to start. So, you know, insourcing and outsourcing has been very important to how we've been able to kind of scale our strategy so we hire folks who are specialists in a couple of key areas but also have room to learn and will learn from those from those experts in the field.
1: Mhm. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, everything that you're saying of reasons why tenants or outsource I think comes back to helping you a, you know, deliver the best experience for your customers by learning, you know, what's working best, trying new things, seeing what works, what doesn't work, but then also helping you Do that at scale and do it as quickly as possible. Like you said, when maybe we don't have the expertise today, but we still want to be able to scale as fast as possible, let's bring in those experts or new technology, whatever it may be, to help us scale at that rate that we need to. And obviously that's worked helping you scale from 30 million to 200 million in a few years.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it also goes back to that idea of diversity of thought, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, the the folks who we are bringing in and, you know, when when you offer us a recommendation, it's not something that, like, we were either aware of or even thought of. And, you know, think of the folks that we outsource to as an extension of our team because of that, to really be able to value that perspective just as much as the ability to scale and the ability to grow.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And obviously you've picked good people to partner with because, I mean, that's how good partnership view you as well is, you know, we want to be an extension of your team when you view it the same way. That's when you can get a really strategic partnership that will be a win-win and help you scale.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, I can't take credit for the demand-based partnership originally. <laughs> uh, Elena, uh, my team did that. And, you know, thank God she did because I don't think we would have been able to move as quickly as we did early on. <laughs> and so but we've we've continued to extend that relationship because it has sure. really been an extension and a partner partnership for our team.
1: hmm Absolutely. Well, really glad to hear that. Thanks for the quick demand-based plug. Always appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, shifting gears just a little bit and not to take too dark of a turn here, but Can you talk about how you shockproof your strategy from black swan events like COVID and your experience working through that?
0: Yeah. So there's always light in any situation. And it's really about finding that. I think early on, I actually switched jobs mid-pandemic. So I think very early on, there was... You know, a lot of fear that like it was going to have tremendous impact from you know both a talent perspective and hiring perspective, but also you know from a you know, marketing and focus. When I think in some ways the ability for folks to focus on what was going to future proof their business i think ended up being in some ways higher than maybe pre pandemic you know because there was some time to focus there and what mm-hmm. we really saw was you know both in the company i came from and then when i got to pando was the demand actually went up but like when you're thinking about engaging from a marketing perspective you know, we saw certainly live events kind of fall to the floor. And, you know, there were a lot of like things that you didn't think you could necessarily do that were going to impact the buyer the way that maybe you could before. So a couple of things that we did was one, we really thought about creating experiences when experiences didn't exist. So mm-hmm. how do you give that same hug of a feeling in, you know, when you do have the ability to engage someone in person in a virtual environment. And I think we've come a long way in seeing that. um, But we were very early in that engagement and started delivering high-end at-home events. So, you know, it wasn't a, you know, $20 ball of wine. We probably, we've spent like $250 on, you know, for per person on wine with cheese and like developing uh-huh. an entire thing. So they felt like they were getting that same bespoke high end type of environment. Right. And we also said like, this is not a selling experience. This is an experience mm-hmm. for folks to get to know each other and talk about themselves personally and you know, what's going on in their life. And like, give them something that they probably were craving and hadn't seen in a while, particularly from a vendor. So we did a lot there. We also really kind of amped up personalization in all of our marketing efforts to speak to the things that those customers were going through. And I think that helped a lot in like driving the needle. We also had a service because we do AI hiring that was very in demand in certain parts of the population you know particularly logistics healthcare at the time so we started offering grants for kind of frontline workers and the ability to be able to help hire them so that we were giving back at the same time and you know i think creating experiences when cre- experiences were void really gave us a an ability to set ourselves apart i mean a lot of people have come there and come that way now but it was virtually non-existent when we started it. So Mm -hmm. the other thing was, you know, at my former company, we actually literally had to quickly, rapidly change all of our messaging, like literally overnight. I think we wrote and redid, you know, so many different aspects of things within a two week period as like COVID was hitting, but like not a lot of people thought to move that fast. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the other thing is, we're in such a online environment, your ability to move, your ability to kind of beam personalized and messages that are going to be in the moment is super important to kind of making sure that you're carrying yourself through when there are unexpected events that you can't necessarily predict what the outcome will be.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. And I think you touched on this a little bit, but it's interesting how a black swan event like COVID forces us to do things that we never thought we could do or have different perspectives on how we should do things like those virtual events or personalized experiences, um, things like that. So while it's, you know, terrible event, we don't want to deal with it. It's interesting how it forces us to kind of think differently and come up with new ideas of how to best do our jobs. Uh,
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's, amazing how much innovation we've seen in marketing because of it, right? And I think all over, you know, in what we do in HR tech, you know, they, they talk about the future of work has now kind of accelerated 20 years, as a result of everybody having to be remote and figuring that out and you, and you're seeing the repercussions of that. I think marketing also has a lot of repercussions in terms of if people even want to leave their houses to go to something. And, you know, so I think a lot of the things that we had to pivot on are here to stay. Mm -hmm. And there will be a really kind of hand in glove as we think forward about how all of those both in-person and virtual touch points kind of come together and create experiences that we never knew before. Like, you know, discord, TikTok. like
1: there are so mm-hmm. many
0: places where the puck is moving right now. And like, I know I want to be at the forefront of all of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that mentality and you being prepared to move so quickly has helped Pandalogic scale and continue to grow and come out even stronger on the other side of this.
0: Yeah, and I think we've had a lot of fun doing it at the same time.
1: That's awesome. Love to hear that. Well, hopefully we don't have to deal with too many more of these Black Swan events, especially like COVID, but really appreciate your thoughts and perspective on it. Really interesting I hope to so too.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but again, amazing how well you performed through it and how much stronger Panologic has come out on the other side. And also really cool that... You were giving back throughout all of this and doing those grants for the frontline workers for the AI hiring.
0: Yeah, I think it was a great way for people to like get what they needed done in a very quick period of time and, and a great mm-hmm. way for us to showcase what we could do. And we felt good about it because we knew yeah. we were able to kind of help in when help was needed the most and, and something that like we could uniquely support.
1: Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's amazing that you thought of that in the first place, and then that you know your company was just on board for it so quickly. I think really speaks to the culture.
0: Yeah, and I can't say I thought about the grant itself, but it was definitely a vehicle yeah. that we delivered. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> take like the credit for it. I won't it's call you out. More
0: collaborative
1: it. <laughs> effort. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> great, great. Well, that gets through our main topics today. Really appreciate the conversation. Really valuable. Really enjoyed it. I'm sure listeners will as well. I have a couple rapid fire questions for you to round us out today if you're ready. Okay. Perfect. So is there a blog, book, newsletter, website, or video that you'd recommend our listeners check out? Sure.
0: So uh, book. Um, I have lived my life on blue ocean strategy, blue ocean strategy and blue ocean leadership. I would recommend because it's about kind of taking yourself out of the competitive set to set yourself apart. So that I feel like has been paramount to my career. The other one I would say that has been really impactful for me has been lean in and the lean in community because that has helped me kind of navigate my career as a woman in business and then website would be chief.com. I'm a member of Chief, which is an executive. It's it's meant to bring up VPs and, and C-levels of women leaders through and amazing content, amazing learning, and just a really great place to, to learn about the struggles that women in business go through and, and how to be a great ally or um, how to break through.
1: That's amazing. I love that. I'll definitely check them out after this recording. And thank you for passing those along so can you remind me the name of the book again
0: A uh, blue ocean strategy
1: blue ocean strategy okay and then the lean in community mm-hmm. and then Chief.com. yes perfect thank you so much appreciate the recommendations and then three people that come to mind in b2b tech who lead go to market sales data analytics that you would recommend we bring on the show
0: Sure. So I would recommend Jason Putnam at Plum, a fantastic sales leader who really believes in kind of bringing together sales and marketing. So I would recommend him. Data science teams, I think Egal Goldfein, who actually works with me at Pandalogic, is a great one. He has a great way of talking about how AI is just like everything you see in life. So I would recommend him. And then I would also recommend Sandy Burke at Salesforce. She is the epitome of how you think about um, business development in a coordinated fashion between marketing and sales. And one of the brightest stars that I know.
1: Perfect. Really appreciate the recommendations. I think you just officially volunteered them up. So (laughs) (laughs) Sandy, you'll be hearing from us. (laughs) And blame Jen. <laughs> no, <just kidding. laughs> I'll have to warn them after this. <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate the recommendations though. They all sound amazing. So I would love to have them on if possible. And then lastly, I'm sure people are going to be wondering after this, after listening to this recording, they're going to want to hear more. So can you tell our listeners how they can best get connected with you after this podcast?
0: Absolutely. I am an Open book. I am on all social um, aspects. So if you want to look at LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. My last name is Tebyshev, not Ravalli. Uh, <laughs> but you can usually find me anyway. And then I can be reached at jravalli at pandalogic.com if you want to send me an email. And I love mentoring and I love talking to folks who are kind of coming up the rank and anybody who's looking for any advice on what's going on in marketing today. So I would love to get connected with anyone who's interested.
1: Amazing. Well, I highly, highly recommend our listeners to take advantage of that. And I'm sure some folks will be taking you up on that. So thank you so much for being an open book. Great. Well, I think that does it for today. Really enjoyed having you on the podcast. And again, thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on the show.
0: Thank you so much, Harry. It was such a pleasure. I love working with you and the team at Demandbase. And this was truly an honor for me as a marketer. And uh, I can't wait to see how it comes out.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demandbase TV.